Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're in Psalms, uh, the 91st Psalm today. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he hold fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for uh, knowledge and understanding, uh, for clarity, and we ask, ask that you would help us uh, believe the truths that are here and trust you and be cheered by them. And we, um, we are grateful for you presenting all the wonderful things in your word, and especially this morning for Psalm 91. In Christ's name, amen. So sometimes, like, I don't know, it, when I've been studying these psalms, there are times where, uh, you know, sometimes you could get discouraged, you know, a little. Uh, in this particular psalm, uh, it's, it's cheerful, and I think that's important for us to say. It has uh, a turn, uh, you know, like a tone about it that makes you excited to think, oh, this is a, a very special uh, psalm. And really, what you want to do is, it, it's the whole time when you're thinking about it, it's based upon our union with Christ. Because of our relationship with Him, the great promises here are things that we can hold on to. And so I hope that you will think about that. We want to experience the peace that surpasses all comprehension, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, and we do so as we reflect on these powerful things. Charles Spurgeon said, in the whole collection, that is all the Psalms that we read, uh, there is none that is more elevates kind of our thoughts uh, and and it's, it's really like cheering us all along the way. It's making us glad as we think about it. And so this psalm should do that, and it should help you in that regard. I want you to look with me the first movement in it. It's personal faith that you see in this psalm. This psalmist, is, is, he is trusting God, and you see that in verse 1 and 2. 
The second movement is you. And it's almost like saying to you, y'all come join in. Come join in the trust of God and the faith. And, and it, it, you're kind of like uh, encouraged to promise and what he is doing. And then the final stage is really goes back to the I. In verse 14 and 16, it's God speaking. And so you want to see that and understand that as you move through. Uh, one author called this uh, psalm simply, In the Shadow of the Almighty. Uh, of course, uh, there is a song, and I can't, um, that, that the secret place. Did we already sing that? I'm kind of like, did we sing that already this morning? I had to run out real quick and come back, and I was like, well, I was like, I know we're singing that this morning, but I thought, did we already do that? But that psalm, I mean, that song kind of embodies that for us. And so when we're thinking about these things and we're considering them, I want, we want to be there. We want to say, look, you want to enter in. You want to enter into His presence. You want to draw near to God. And that's what um, this is about. It is encouraging you to go there. Um, I think it's, it's easy to live a life not there in His presence. And you say, because you know what? Like, I can't see whether you've been in His presence. It's not like I'm saying, oh, there's... You're like Moses where you step down from the mountain and they have to cover his head because you've seen the glory of God. Like I, you, can't always, you can't see if somebody is there. Like they're drawing near to God. They can come to church. They could be doing family worship. You could, there's a lot of things, but you think, is your heart there drawing near to God? It says, verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It is the safest place in the world. That, that, that's the safest place. The, the person that goes in there, it's safe there. That, that's kind of, there, there's, there's, you're at home there. Really, you're there, it's safe. I don't know if you've ever been anywhere where you thought, I really feel unsafe. Maybe for whatever reason it may be that you were. Like, uh, I remember uh, one time when we were younger, and I was like, you know, youth age, and we went to on a canoe trip, and uh, it, a big storm rolled in. It kind of came in fairly quick. And back then, of course, I, we didn't have iPhones watching the radar or whatever. And so this storm comes in, and as it comes in, it, it really uh, we realized that we need to get off the water. So we got our canoes, flipped them over, and we ran over this uh, through the, this kind of wooded area. And we got to this place where there was a hill. And um, there was this logging road where you could kind of like lean up against the, the little hill there and in a way find shelter. And I still didn't feel like that, at, you know, at peace, but I, that was a time that I remember trying to find this safe place. On another occasion, uh, or multiple occasions probably as a kid, they, um, we would have like a, a tornado warning and you'd hear the sirens and my parents would say, oh, we got to go in that, this bathroom. We'd go in the bathroom, sit in the tub when we were little, I just remember as a kid, you know, it was kind of like, we thought, it's not like a safe room, but it's safer than where we were, kind of thing, you know. But what he's saying is, finding shelter in the Most High, that's the safest place in the world. This person, the idea here is, they abide there. Again, like, I can't tell whether you are not. Some of you may have spent your whole life outside of drawing near to God but you're close to Him. The idea in this way is not a certain place. It's not like you're coming to the church. It is as if your heart has been, it, it been planted there. You are seated there with the Lord. 
with this heavenly bunker. That's where you dwell. That's the idea. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. You could just kind of mark that in your Bible or just mark it here, write it down, whatever. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And seated us or Christ Jesus. So what's he saying? He is saying you have, if you're a Christian, you've been united to Christ, you are seated with him in the heavenly places. And so we, you, if that is true positionally, practically you need to get close to there. You need to move, you need to draw near. You need to draw near to God constantly, habitually, continually, and use ordinary means of grace to do that. Where you do gather with the church, where there is confession, where you are studying His Word, where you're seeking the Lord in prayer. You're drawing near to Him. Ephesians 1, 19-23 speaks of uh, Jesus being raised from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead has raised us from the dead far above all rule and power and authority and all those things. He is seated above all that. And what he's telling us is we have been raised with him. That's really important. You say, how do I know that I am in a safe place? How do I know that? Well, I go back to the Scriptures that tell us that Jesus was raised from the dead, far above all rule and authority. And if you're in him... You have been raised. And so then you're trying to practically live that out by drawing near to the Lord. You remember when Joshua met the commander of the Lord's army, at first he was like, he comes up in Joshua chapter 5 and he's like, whose side are you on? As if maybe Joshua was like thinking, I'll go and fight against the angel or the commander of the Lord's army. I'm not sure. He was not aware of that when he had met this person that showed up. And then he says to him, uh, it's not a matter of whether or not, like, it's not whose side am I on, but rather whose side are you on? And Joshua's understanding is holy. That, that's the, your whole life is, whose side are you on? Like, that's the whole thing of life. It's like the shelter of the Almighty, that's where you want to be. You want to draw near to Him. You want to be close to Him. It's not a question of like, well, I'll, get, I'll figure out a way to get out of the, uh, you, you might say, out of the, the difficult situation I'm in. The reality is, is like you want to draw near and align yourself with the Lord, for He is the one who fights for His people. Verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He's saying like, you're the one that I trust. There's really, you see all of this in verse 1 and 2, but these four metaphors, shelter and shadow, refuge and fortress, he, he's saying like, I've set my life there. I, you know, that's a hard thing for us because there's a lot of different ways that you might have built a fortress around your life. Like in our prayer of confession, it might be with money. It might be with like making your health just right. It might be with building bunkers at your house. It might be that you go dig a a hole and build a bunker at your land. Whatever it might be, you're looking for ways in which you're trying to protect yourself from uh, all the things of this life. And what we see here is he has put his trust in the Lord. This is for those who walk in fellowship with God. They know that their God, they can trust him. So I think today you say, am I aligning myself with him? 
Is my life characterized by walking in fellowship with Him, by drawing near to Him, by clinging to Him, by anchoring my life with Him? Verse 3 through 6 here. You're going to see we leave the psalmist kind of his faith, and then he commends us to join in. Verse 3, For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence, He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes and not see that you don't fear. That's what he's saying. You make God your refuge, whether there's somebody beating down the door out there, or something sneaking at your house at night, Whatever unseen or seen thing that might be there, you have made your, your, your shelter in God, you are safe with Him. If you have made your shelter, for instance, with being real strong, then your strength will be all you have. If you made your shelter in being you know, maybe real healthy, then your health will be all that you have. And if you stand thinking, oh, I'll be able to stand in my own strength, that's crazy. But these people, what he's calling you to, the psalmist is, is to put your trust in God. A fowler, if you, it's like a hunter of birds. Like they might use a snare here. Uh, in some cases, a gun. We talk about waterfowl, like birds that live in the water. And then the waterfowler would be someone that would hunt them. The idea is like you might be pursued like David was with Saul. And he's telling them, listen, uh, you won't have to fear those things. If you're hunted, you're pursued, someone's coming after you. You don't have to live in fear. He's also saying like, look, there's pestilence out there which sneaks up in the night. You don't have to live your life in fear of those things. If God is your shelter, if God is your protector, if God is your armor, if you put on His armor, then what do you have to fear? The only reason you're living trust fear is if you have not sought to put on the armor of God. You're not trusting in His armor. Because those things, anything that terrifies you, anything that makes you stupidly anxious, you're afraid of, all those kind of things, those remind you that you are not putting your... because unbelief is increasing. And so this is a great promise to those to put shelter in Him. He's calling you to say, put your shelter in the Lord. There was, um, I read this week uh, in a commentary by a guy, his last name is Boyce. He, he, he recalled a story, and I thought it was kind of a helpful one. It's about a guy named Lord Craven, a Christian who was a nobleman who was living in London when a plague ravaged the city in the 15th century. In order to escape the spreading pestilence, Craven determined to leave the city for his country home, as many of his social standing did. He ordered his coach and baggage made ready. But as he was walking down one of the halls of his home, about to enter his carriage, he overheard one of his servants say to another, I suppose by my Lord's quitting London to avoid the plague that his God lives in the country and not in town. It was a straightforward and apparently innocent remark, but it struck Lord Craven so deeply that he canceled his journey, saying, My God lives everywhere and can preserve me in town as well in the country. I will stay where I am. 
So he stayed in London. He helped the plague victims, and he did not catch the disease. Just a rem- that's just one of those reminders where you're thinking about like what we trust in, and when there are a lot of things that we could be very fearful of, and this man was reminded that um, he needed to put his hope and trust in the Lord. Verse 7 and 8 say, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. What's he saying? You will watch. If you are in Christ, your, your future, your, your future hope, your stability is found in Him. And although the enemies of God will be falling all around, He will preserve you. That, that's the picture here. It, it's, it's not saying that, hey, people won't die of disease. It's not saying that you wouldn't go to battle or your children wouldn't go to war in some time in history and they would not die. What it's saying is God's judgment is not against you. And so there is hope and security for you and for all of us that put our trust in God. He, he's telling us that, listen, your sin has been atoned for. God is not against you. He is for you, both now and to draw near to God. So he first presents his own faith. And then he says, y'all join in with me in trusting the Lord. And then there's kind of this picture here of like, what does it mean for somebody to trust in the Lord? Um, We need to kind of think about that because verse 9 through 12 helps us see it. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. The condition here is you've made the Most High your refuge. That's the thing. What is your refuge? What are you trusting in? Are you drawing near to Him, the Most High, the one that you can trust. No evil shall befall you, he says. And not only that, like God will send His angels to protect you. And some of you may say, I don't think about angels very much. There's some people I've been around in different countries where angels are, they're talking about them and considering all of that. This idea here is if God is your refuge, His angels are protecting you, watching over you, guarding you in all your ways. That's a powerful thought. We don't talk about that very much, but that's a beautiful thing to understand that they're guarding you and protecting you in all your ways. Again, your ways that are centered in living for God. You can trust Him. Now, the interesting thing is the devil only really quoted uh, a passage in Scripture like legitimately, like almost as basically, he, he said to Jesus, his temptation was in this this kind of concept here is he will command his angels to have concern for you, to guard you in all your ways. He kind of leaves out in all your ways and just says, hey, throw yourself off the temple. The angels will help you. Put God to the test. You know, that that's kind of the idea that Satan does. And so he's going to that, that place and saying, because some people might read this and say, oh, is that what we do? The angels are always watching out for us so we can jump off a building and all will be well. We can get on the steeple up here and jump off. No, Jesus said you should not put the, God, your, the Lord your God to the test. That's, that's one of those kind of dangerous places. But the other interesting thing is 
is that Jesus, you see him standing there with the Lord uh, on the Lord's side and standing against Satan's schemes. And then you see the angels come in and, and they come and minister to him. It's almost like immediately after his temptation, you see the angels there with him. And it's a reminder for us that he is with his people and that he's watching over them. You know, the Bible presents um, Satan like a roaring lion. And it also presents him as the serpent. In verse 13, it says, You will tread on the lion and on the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. When you think about the Lord Jesus, you see that. He crushed the head of the serpent. He is the all-powerful one. He overcomes all of the darkness, all of the, the, the things that came, all the temptation, and even going to the cross, He overcomes. He, does, he dies on the cross, but He overcomes. And He is with the Lord now, reigning in heaven forever. And so, what we see is those who follow the pattern of the psalmist, who trust in God, He will protect them. He will watch over them. Those who put their life there, He will watch over them. And you might say, well, Jared, do you ever feel afraid? Yes. Do I ever forget that? Absolutely. I have, like, throughout my life, I go through these patterns of forgetting God's kindness toward me and His goodness. But this So what are the promises for those who trust Him? Look at verse 14. Because He holds fast to me in love. Again, like, some people think of God's love as, like, shaky, you know? But over and over in the Scripture, it's steadfast love. He says, because He holds fast to me in love, He's speaking of this person that's holding on to the Lord. God's love is set on Him. I will deliver Him, He says. I will protect Him because He knows my name. That's just a reminder, man, you're... There's a level of like, I'm the most, I'm safer than anything you could ever imagine. No one can touch me. Nothing happens to me outside of being sifted through the hands of God. And ultimately, I know that He will raise me up on the last day. Verse 15, there's an answer. God says, when He calls to me, I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will rescue Him and honor Him. What's He saying? I'll both rescue Him and vindicate Him. That's what the promise is there. That God is going to do that. We hold fast to that. God is using all different types of things in our lives, but He is watching over us and protecting us. And then this long life and salvation, verse 16, He says, with long life I will satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. I don't think the idea here is long life in the sense of like, I'm going to live to be 100. I think it has the idea of living a full life both now and forever. That's a full life both today. They have a hope in His promises forever. And so what this whole psalm is about is like, you can trust in this world. You can trust in everything this world provides. You can trust in the teaching of this world, the money of this world, the power of this world, the comfort of this world. I can trust in all of those things. And those things change in a moment. We're not that far from a pestilence that looked like it was going to crush the whole world. And yet, this, this psalm is calling us to say, listen, you trust Him. He will give you a full life. 
Now, as we conclude today, I want you to really think about something that you may have grasped or missed during this psalm, because I want you to see it. Um, Hamilton says, no one psalm epitomizes like what Jesus did in his life than this one. No one lived more in God's presence, more inhabited the shelter of the Most High, the shadow of the Almighty. No one took refuge in God like Jesus, was delivered like Jesus, and trampled the dragon like Jesus. No one loved God nor knew God's name like Jesus. No one called on God like Jesus, experienced God's presence in distress like Jesus, or was delivered even from death like Jesus. No one will be more glorified by God than Jesus who was received the name above every name, and no one will be more satisfied than Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything stated in Psalm 91. So then the question is, is what does that mean to us? What does that mean to us? Because Jesus lived out the fullness of this psalm, His people can take up their crosses and follow Him. His people can inhabit the hiding place, the shadow of the Most High, entering boldly to find grace in their time of need. Those who belong to Jesus can take refuge in God, experience God's deliverance, and God will soon crush Satan under their feet. When they have been delivered, they will be glorified, satisfied with long life as they behold God's salvation. So this psalm reminds you of what he has done. It reminds you that Jesus is the fulfillment of of this psalm, that He lived this out perfectly, and if you put your faith and hope in Him, keep you. He will guard you, and you will not be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So this morning, may this psalm be a comfort to you. Give you hope and security and stability. May you keep running to the place where there's true shelter, true hope, true satisfaction, true joy, true protection. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We ask, Lord, for the wisdom to see, to understand, to grasp that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would find shelter from the storm in Him. That we would understand it, what it means to be seated with Him in the heavenly places. And that we would live in light of that all of our days. Lord, we know that we do this corporately. We put on the armor of God corporately. We strive together corporately. So I ask that this church would walk in the wonder and the glory of being a people who have been saved by the perfect work of Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen.